Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Come on, Dees. Dees nuts. Please explain. Now back to 95.7 The Game. That's the great Dan Campbell, of course. That was back... uh, Preseason, not this year, but the previous year when the Lions were on hard knocks. That was the beginning of the second season of Dan Campbell. Uh, now he's in his third year, and he's completely turned the franchise around uh, to the point where they're now in the NFC Championship game, Sterling. And there's a little bit of history uh, in this moment for the Lions. Oh, Did you know uh, that they have not won a road playoff game since the year 1957? Wow. And... That opponent that they won on the road against in 1957 was these San Francisco 49ers, and it happened at Kizar Stadium. See, when you say things like that, it makes me think they're due. The last road <laughs> postseason win in Detroit Lions history, 1957. Uh, the Niners had a 24-3 to lead Dude. in the second half, <laughs> and then the Lions won 31-27. to And as the story goes... <sighs> The I locker rooms. Hate hearing that. The locker rooms at uh, Kizar Stadium. I think it was like separate next to the stadium. It wasn't like built into the oh, stadium, but okay. it's like, it separate. And the teams like had to walk across the field and across to, to get to them. And wait for the stopping guard to put the stop sign up. <laughs> exactly. No one walk in the crosswalk, please. And, we're coming across. And the locker rooms were kind of just like separated by just a thin piece of drywall, and there were like <laughs> vents and stuff. So the Niners in the halftime locker room were like celebrating because they were up by twenty and they thought the game was over. And the way that the story goes, the Lions players say like, "We could hear the Niners like oh, yeah. talking to their wives and planning like trips to the championship game wow. and like how they were going to win it all." And the Lions came out and they obviously took it personally and they went out and they won the game. They went on to win at that point the NFL championship. Uh, not the Super Bowl. That is pre-Super Bowl back, back in 1957. Pre-merge. And that is uh, still the last postseason road win for the Lions, and it's their only uh, NFL or Super Bowl championship up to this point. Now, if you're looking for a little bit of positive energy in Mojo Sterling, uh, there is one other Niners-Lions postseason game, and it happened in 1983 in the divisional round. That was a Niners win, 24-23 to at Candlestick. Well, uh, Joe Montana hit Freddie Solomon for a touchdown in the last minute, wow. and the Niners won the game because uh, Detroit's kicker Eddie Murray missed a field goal from 42 yards what out. What a loser! In the final second, Jake the Moody won. would never. And the Niners, Jake Moody would never. And the Niners won that game. Since that moment, uh, the Lions have only won one postseason game. 1983 <laughs> to now, before this season, right? Only won one postseason game to beat the Lions in 1991. But 
A little bit of history between the Niners and the Lions in the postseason. Both happened in San Francisco. Uh, this is the third consecutive Niners-Lions postseason matchup that will not be in Detroit. That is home game for the Niners. Uh, one and one in the first two in the postseason. So, Jedi on the YouTube chat says his mom wasn't even born in 1957. Uh, my mom was seven years old. <laughs> like, my mom. if that tells you my mother's eight, unfortunately, but... but <laughs> sorry, mom. Shout out, mom. But, but, but still, like, that... like my mother is in her 70s if that gives you an idea like it's been 70-ish years 1957 yeah <laughs> who was at Keysar Stadium who was <laughs> oh god I don't even know is it Eisenhower or something like that <laughs> I'm not a history buff neither am I tell you Niners Lions played in 57 that's all I know I just like when I hear the fact that the last time the Lions have won a road playoff game was against San Francisco there's two thoughts in my head one is like, oh, that, that better not change. The second one is, uh, let's make sure it doesn't change. Because, oh my goodness, if you're San Francisco, like, I take pride in ending someone else's season. Like, Green Bay, you can go suck on some cheese, brothers. Like, go, go have some fun. <laughs> I thought that was going to get them. Whoa. <laughs> like, like, good night, right? In previous years, you know, goodbye to the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I feel great when I end somebody else's season. And if you're San Francisco, you have to take pride. Literally, if you want to use the Lions hashtag, one pride in ending their season today. They are the national media darling of, oh, it's Detroit. They have Eminem in the stands. They're America's darling. There's uh, nobody rooting for the Niners except for those of us here in the Bay Area. Like, San Francisco needs to embrace the villainous role in this game. And guess what? Sometimes, like Darth Vader, it's okay to be the villain. It's cool. They like being be the, the villain. villain. Like, they I mean, remember how they walked into the link in Philadelphia? Yes. What was that, week 13, dressed oh, yeah. in all black? It wasn't pre-planned, but everyone walked in in all black because they were attending the Eagles' funeral? Yes. And, like, that's, and like what, that's how this, when the team is at the best, when they feel that kind of way, and I think they feel that way today. If you're coming in like it's a funeral at the link, I want you to come in like a line tamer, just whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Get the chair out, like, get away from me, and put that sucker in the cage and send them packing back to Detroit. Like, now's the time to, if you want to go to a funeral in Philadelphia, uh, I need you to become a lion tamers in San Francisco today, in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium today. Like, let's go out there and end America's team in 2024. End their, the media darling. End Jared Goff's season. Like, I'm, like, I like the Lions, all due respect, but for this week alone, uh, I hate you. I hate you entirely. You are in our way. Yeah, you're the enemy. Of a Super Bowl championship. Like, I do not want you standing in the way. And if you are in my way, I'm going to run through you. I'm going to declaw you. And I'm going to tame you and send you all the way back to Detroit with your tail tucked between your legs. Yeah, shout out to Jetty on the YouTube chat. Uh, once again, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, in reference to the 1957 Niners playoff loss to the Lions, someone's great-grandfather was mad that day. Time to make it right. Yes. <laughs> We're fighting for, for those Niner fans of the 1957s, right? Man. My dad wasn't even born yet. He was three years away from birth. It's crazy. It's crazy. That, that's how long this Gosh. Lions franchise has gone without a road postseason win. Like, it's mind-blowing. Good. Keep it that way. But they've already they've, they've done a, a number of firsts already this year. Well, let's not make it another one. I'm with you. You can beat the Rams, whatever. McVeigh, beat Baker Mayfield. Congratulations, beat Baker Mayfield. So did we seven weeks ago, 
and you almost lost. It was a one-score game. The, the Rams game was 24-23. You beat him by one. You beat Baker by seven or eight, whatever it was, by one score. Like, it's not like the Lions have been blowing out teams in the playoffs. Well, and specifically, you look at those two games. So Rams-Lions, which was the wild-card matchup for the Lions, uh, the Rams outgained Detroit. Uh, 425 to 334 on a per-play average. The Rams, 7.7 yards per play to 6.1 for the Lions. So the the Rams outgained them on every front. The Rams went 0-3 in the red zone. That was the difference in that game. (laughs) Against the Buccaneers, last week in the divisional round, the Buccaneers, 408 yards. The Lions, 391. Close, but the Buccaneers outgained them. Per play for the Bucs, 6.8, 5.5 for the Lions. What was the difference? Two turnovers and a missed field goal for the Buccaneers. Like, that was how the Lions won these two games and credit them for winning. And you've got the crazy emotions of a of a home a home playoff game inside a Ford Field for the first time. Ford Field hosting a playoff game, and they got two of them, and they're both wins. Like, those were not easy wins, and they earned them and they deserve credit for them. The Niners did not play particularly well against the Packers, but they earned a win. Same sense for the Niners and, and the Lions. It's hard to win playoff games, and both teams deserve credit for being up to this point, but the Lions outgained on both games of of their postseasons, and it just came down to execution in important moments in the red zone and forcing turnovers for the Lions. If the Niners avoid those situations, they're efficient in the red zone, which, by the way, they're the best team in the NFL in that regard. The Lions' defense, one of the worst. If they avoid turning the ball over, they win the turnover battle, which, by the way, they are one of the best in the NFL. Detroit is like middle of the pack. The Niners should win this game. Uh, That's how the Lions advanced up to this point. They played their best in those big key moments. The Niners have to win those moments today. I also feel like the Lions play a much different game at home compared to on the road. Especially outdoors on the road. You go outdoors, Jared Goff this year goes from, again, 23 picks inside to only 7 touchdowns, excuse me, 23 touchdowns indoors to 7 outdoors. It's goes, a big difference. Like, you go from eight picks indoors to four outdoors in half the games. Like, Jared Goff is not the same guy. They've been sacked 15 times indoors and outdoors. But we look at his road stats. At home, a 64.3 QBR. On the road, 57.8 yards per game. A one-yard differential. Then touchdowns, 22 at home, 11 on the road in six, pits, six picks and eights. Like... If you're San Francisco, you have Jared Goff on the road, outside, and you get pressure. Talk about a triple whammy. Like, you got him on the ropes right there. Like, you have two elements already in your favor, and the game hasn't even started. If Steve Oaks dials up pressure, you can get to him. I mean, you're talking about you can go for the kill, go for the knockout. Not early in the game, but you can hold them and hold their offense at, you know, at bay for the majority of it. The Lions have only played one true outdoor game. So games Woo. not in a dome. One true outdoor game since November. It's a good month. Like It's been forever since they've had to play consistently outside of a dome. Uh, and their one game outside of a dome since November was in Chicago, uh, where they only put up 13 points and Jared Goff threw for 161 yards. Now, November in... Chicago is a little different than January in California. It's like cold. It, it, it's still going to be cold there, and it's going to be really <laughs> nice. Nearly seventy degrees and sunny, light winds down in Santa Clara. Like it's going to be nice. But 
there is something to be said. I mean, you put laid out all the numbers. It's not just in a dome versus outside of a dome. It's home versus road. As simple as that. Detroit, when they get on that home track, the fast track of Ford Field, they are one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. Away from the friendly confines of Ford Field, they're not nearly as good. They're still an effective offense, and it's not as simple as... You know, they're great at home and bad on the road. There's just a, a really, really clear difference. Jared Goff, passer rating, indoors, number five in the NFL, outdoors, number 21. Woo! You're outdoors today, and it, you're not in the elements. Like Again, but being outside, it, it impacts this Lions team. Uh, and the Niners, maybe you can make the case that playing in the rain is not a good thing for the Niners, but they're fine playing outdoors as long yeah. as it's not raining, and it's not going to rain today. Which helps Brock Purdy immensely because he is not good in rain games. Like there is a clear cut. Like if it rains, Brock Purdy's going to have a bad game. And again, sun's out means the guns are going to be out. Right? Brock Purdy should be throwing that ball around like it's nothing. Like this is a game where Brandon Ayuk should have an amazing game. And look, getting Debo Samuel back isn't just for energy's sake. It's not just to have your emotional leader on the field. When you get Debo Samuel back on the field and you can run these three receiver sets, you force the Lions to play with five defensive backs and play nickel formation. Kind of like what San Francisco runs like 75% of the time. You have Mooney Ward and Amber Thomas and Lenore. When you force the Lions to play nickel like San Francisco likes to play, you are putting them in their worst set of defensive formations. You get Debo Samuel back, emotional leader, he's going to be thumping people, going to try to run through Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but also (laughs) he's going to put your offense in a position to pass the football effectively over and over and over again because the Lions rank 26th pre-EPA while playing nickel. Like You have a path to victory again. Every stat nearly lends to San Francisco winning this game and hoisting an NFC title against the Lions. And honestly, I'm I'm a petty king like Stephen Curry is. If they do win, uh, I kind of want to play Lose Yourself by Eminem on the field. Just have some fun, (laughs) right? Like, you send the Lions home. You can do whatever you want. Play any Eminem song you want to. Like, it does not matter. Play Detroit Rock City. Like, this is a game where emotions are high. Like, again, be a petty king. Go out there and kick their you-know-what, and let's get freaking crazy tonight when San Francisco wins this game. Well, you're talking about uh, Nickel, the when they have five DBs out there. Exactly. They're not good, and Niners are good against Nickel. Uh, there's another area that Uh-oh. points towards the 49ers. Lions run man coverage at the fifth ha- highest rate in the NFL this year. So they're man- they don't like to run zone defense. They go man to man. They match up man for man. And it's, it's going to say for better or worse, generally it's for the worse because they are a very, very bad pass defense. One of the worst in the NFL. They get beat over the top time and time again. Uh, what's Brock Purdy's numbers against man coverage this season, you asked Sterling? Uh, number one in yards per attempt. Number one in expected points added per play. Number one in passer rating. Number one in passer rating under pressure. Number two in EPA per play under pressure. All against man coverage. And the Lions run man coverage as often nearly as any other team in the NFL. It's, it's like this across the board for the Niners offense against the Lions defense, specifically in the passing game. Every way you break it down, you're talking about nickel, I'm talking about man coverage. Everything the Lions like to do to defend the pass, the Niners love it when their opponents do that. And to your point, 
I think it's a big day for Brock Purdy through the air. I think it's a big day for Brandon Ayuk through the air. Look at what opposing wide receiver ones have done against this defense over the last five weeks. The last five games that the Lions have played. Last week, Mike Evans, eight catches, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the wild card round, Puka Nakua, nine catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, final game of the regular season with Nick Mullins as his quarterback. <laughs> 12 catches, 192 yards, and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb, listen to this. C.D. Lamb, 13 for 227 and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson again, 6 for 141 and a touchdown. I could go on and on and on. (laughs) Wide receiver ones eat against this defense. And we could talk about Debo's shoulder. Brandon Ayuk is this team's wide receiver one. He's the deep that's going to beat you down the field. Ayuk is about to go off in this game, I promise you. He's going to have a big game, over 100 yards and a touchdown today from Brandon Ayuk. And then getting Debo back... Like when it, when Debo's not on the field, Ayuk has been he's kind of disappeared, right? He was uh, a little invisible last game, and he kind of has been against the Browns. Had the huge the catch, had the huge catch on the game-winning touchdown drive to Shoot convert laces. that third down. Like he come up came up big last week, but without Debo on the field, Ayuk really hasn't been a factor. You get Debo back. You force the Lions to play honest. Whether they're going to double somebody, it's probably not going to be Ayuk. And even if they double him, you're going to allow Debo to go crazy and, and Kittle to go crazy and CMC to go nuts? Like, you now allow your offense to be fully operational, and you allow Kyle Shanahan to operate that Death Star like he wants to, right? Like, you get Ayuk in space, we've seen him beat the best cornerbacks in football by two or three yards. The separation he should have today, <laughs> like it just—it's it, going to be mind-boggling how open he is. Guess what corners he's going to be going up against today? Cameron Sutton and Kendall Vildor. Who? Who? Cameron Sutton. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, player. Poor Steeler. He's had a good career. Yeah. Cameron Sutton. Uh, he's a fine like cornerback two, right? Right. He's their quarterback cornerback one. He's not a good cornerback right. one. And then Kendall Vildor, and then their nickel corner is Brian Branch, which, a rookie. Which Branch is good. He's probably their best defensive back, and he's yeah. a rookie. Yeah. But, I mean, Kendall Vildor... I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea who that was prior to this week. He's going to start <laughs> corner opposite Cameron Sutton. Kendall Vildor. It's a great name, though. Remember that name, because if the Niners uh, are going to win this game, they're going to beat Kendall Vildor like a drum. Reminds me of Val Kilmer. It it does. I mean, it's a great name, Kindle I mean, Batman. But yeah, he's it's a great name. But he's he's in for a long day today if yeah. things go to plan for the Niners. Is this the most aggressive we're going to see Kyle Shanahan play, at least passing game wise? I think it needs to be. I think it has to be. Like, if he is conservative, Kyle is like, I'm going to run it 35 times, and Purdy's only going to throw it 19 times. Like, no. Like, you need to be a hyper aggressive pass, 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 pass. Take shots downfield. You have a quarterback that can finally hit the shots. Take them. Like, Purdy was the best and most efficient quarterback on passes 15 plus yards downfield. If there aren't six, seven shots downfield, I will be appalled as to what the game plan was. That's a major miscon. That's like maybe the major misconception about Purdy and this offense. Yeah. Is they are as efficient as any throwing the deep ball. Which is, you know, game manager. No. Like, Brock Purdy, I think he wants to push the ball down the field. And you give him a chance to today, I have a hard time believing Brock Purdy, who was an MVP candidate for the majority of the season, is going to fail in that moment. Like, he didn't play great against the Ravens, 
They were taking shots downfield against Washington. With, they still were moving the ball against the Ravens. They were, but you know, a little bit of rain, some picks later, and you're like, okay, you know, let's go ahead and just play this thing conservative and call it a day. You get the sun out, balls dry, pretty smaller hands aren't a factor no more. Like, <laughs> he's already one of the best processors, and you're giving him ideal field conditions to succeed physically. How is all the money not on San Francisco? <laughs> like, well, the line has moved. It's opened at six and a half. It's now seven and a half. What does that half. tell you? Like, the confidence level should be up to like level ten. I feel like every person I talk to and I ask or I, I listen to talk about this game, I feel like most people are saying Niners win, but Lions cover. Yeah. Um. Yet, the way Vegas is is reacting and telling you is most people, at least a lot of the money is coming in on the Niners side of things is, as the, the line keeps growing. Which makes sense. Like, the Niners have been the favorite all year long. Like, people are going to bet them all day. Like, they're the favorite now. But as, we already, talked, lost last as week. we already talked about, the Lions are like America's darlings yeah. right now. I do wonder, like, that could be the thought process. Oh, you know, Beat the Rams, beat the Bucks. Like we, no one likes San Francisco. They're the villain of the NFC. Like, are they just the America darling by default? The like, Lions. Like, had the Bucks won last week, wouldn't the Bucks be that this week? Not nearly as much. I think everybody loves Dan Campbell. Yeah, which is easy to love. Like him. Dan Campbell, he's like I, I was listening to Tamina Kimes, and I think I can tell you. That's right. <laughs> Dan Campbell has so many great sayings and, and drops. By Janine Caps I, I, Exactly. I was listening to the, the Mina Kimes podcast, great podcast, if, if you're into football and you're a football nerd. And she said, and I agree with this completely, I just didn't have the ability to put it into words before listening to her talk about it. She called Dan Campbell like the great unifier, right? Okay. Like, he's the guy that the football nerds love because he trusts analytics and he goes into he's aggressive and all of that and the football nerds love that but also like the football jocks like the big <laughs> aggressive physical guys that just love hard-nosed football they also love dan campbell he's both of those things and he's like the great unifier like he who dislikes dan campbell nobody dislikes dan campbell he's like he could run for president like everybody loves this guy <laughs> Like every find me one guy. I mean, today he's the Niners' enemy, right? But you you respect okay. Dan Campbell. He's an awesome guy. Like I can't say a single bad thing about Dan Campbell. Everybody loves this guy. Maybe the majority of America would be rooting for the Bucks over the Niners. I don't know, but it would nowhere it, it would be nowhere near as close as to how this feels right now. I think a big part of that is because of Dan Campbell. You also have the fact that the Lions have really never done this before. Last road playoff win again, 1957. <laughs> but but Dan Campbell is a big part of this. Nobody hates this guy. Does it bother you that the world has embraced the Lions and Dan Campbell more than the Brock Purdy story? That bothers me a little bit. Like, this is arguably two of the best stories in the entire league facing off today. And all I've heard is, well, Dan Campbell this and the Lions that, and they're so great and America loves them, blah, blah, blah. Like, Brock Purdy's story, I get, is played out through an entire season, season and a half. But it is arguably the best story in football the last year and a half. And yet the world is like, go Lions! It's like, no, like, go Brock Purdy. Like, everybody should be rooting for Brock Purdy. It is an incredible story. And it gets kind of swept under the rug. And after his performance last week, it's kind of crazy how fast people jump at the opportunity to to talk bad about this like guy. Like jackals. 
And we can talk about that on the other side, but we got to hit a, a quick break here. Uh, Grandy and Sterling with you on 95.7 The Game as we get ready for the NFC Championship game, Niners and Lions. Kickoff is at 3.30. We're with you until 1 when we hand things off to Larry and Lowe on the kickoff show. We want to hear from you guys, though. Give me a call, 888-957-9570. More NFC Championship pregame talk coming up next on 95.7 The Game. As the unofficial president of the Game Managers Club, she's not allowed in. Now back to 95.7 The Game. You know who this is? I know who that was. Oh, this is this Kurt Angle's theme song, brother. You oh. suck. I thought you were talking about the, you the voice suck. that we heard. Uh, it's Alex Smith, man. Alex Smith, <laughs> Niners legend. Chiefs legend. A couple of his uh, teams playing today. Uh, but he said unofficial president of the Brock Purdy fan club. He's not a, he's not a game manager. Don't call him that. Don't don't tell him that he is a game manager because he's not. Why is it a bad thing? Like had Jordan Love game manage that game last week, they win. I don't think it's uh, like like a football coach, a football guy calling his quarterback a game manager, it's not a bad thing, but the way that most people right view it is oh, You're you don't, you don't go out there and win your team the game. You're just asked to do the easy thing, right? Like, why is that a bad thing sometimes? Like, there are a lot of teams, and I get it. It's what separates the good from the great, the average from the elite. I get that stuff. But, like, you can win a lot of games with a game manager, an average quarterback. The Niners have won a lot of games with an average quarterback. Brock Purdy is above average, but they've won a lot of games with an average quarterback. Is Brock Purdy above average? I mean, yes. I think he's... It it, it depends how above average, but he is above average. I think he's a lot above average. Yeah, yes. Like... MVP worthy average. Well, he's an MVP <laughs> finalist, as is Christian McCaffrey. The Niners have two MVP finalists. McCaffrey is also a finalist for Offensive Player of the Year. That's crazy. He's probably going to win that award. He better win the award. Uh, Lamar Jackson will win MVP. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is a finalist for Coach of the Year. Spoiler alert, he will not win that. Why not? Because of the Niners' expectations. So? I mean, if he didn't win it last year, he's sure as hell not going to win it this year when he had well, a better record last year and did it with three different starting quarterbacks. When you ask every Niner fan, they could say, we don't care about the awards, go get the Super Bowl, right? Yes. That being said, can we have both? Like, I want MVP, McCaffrey's going to win offensive player, coach of the year, and the Super Bowl. I wonder if anyone has ever done that, swept those awards and won the Super Bowl. Probably not. And I know the Rams had Cooper Cup and won in the same year, but didn't have the MVP. No. And I don't think got coach of the year either. No, I wouldn't imagine. They, they, I mean, they won the division, but they weren't like one of the better teams record-wise. I have to go back and look at it, but you kind of think the 2007 Patriots may have gotten it. Well, they didn't win the Super Bowl. So Coughlin probably got the coach of the year? I don't know. I don't know. The awards are kind of dumb. <laughs> Who cares? I, don't, I mean, like, McCaffrey's, okay. McCaffrey's probably going to win Offensive Player of the Year. As he should. As he should have. Um, it's kind of weird that the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year won't go to the same guy. I guess it's the way that you define the awards, but well, whatever. It's quarterbacks against everybody else. Yeah. Which, whatever. But, but anyways, <laughs> Niners-Lions. <laughs> Niners-Lions in the NFC Championship game. Meow. You changed that? I couldn't hear you. Sorry about that. In 1999, the St. Louis Rams had the coach of the year, Dick Vermeil, oh. the MVP, Kurt Warner. Nice. They won the Super Bowl. Did they have the offensive player of the year? I don't know if, there, if that was an award back then, but it probably would have gone to Marshall Fulton. Yeah, I would yeah probably. Right. Greatest show on turf. So, one of the greatest teams, greatest offenses of all time. Oh, that hey, makes hey. sense. And what do they have in common? 
And, and yes, it coach? was Marshall Falk. It was Marshall Man. Falk. So there you go. Well, and who, everything about Brock Purdy and the center's team comes back to Kurt Warner and the greatest show on surf. I mean, they've essentially been compared to each other all year long, right? Like, Brock Purdy has surpassed many of Kurt Warner's stats during his tenure with the Rams. Chris McCaffrey is probably one of the closest things to Marshall Folk we've seen in a long time. And Kyle Shanahan's Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, finalist for Coach of the Year. He will not win it. Maybe the reason, Sterling, uh, is oh. because of his end-of-half tendencies. I, I teased this a bit ago. we got to get into this. I'm going to play for you Kyle Shanahan from Thursday uh, defending how he ran the end of first half against the Packers. Uh, if you need a refresher, uh, the Niners got the ball up by one with, what, like four minutes left in the first half, had all three of their timeouts. Um, and were extremely um, not aggressive in terms of getting up and down the field. Uh, play calling was relatively conservative. Had plenty of time to score. They killed 40 seconds and took a timeout after killing all 40 seconds. <laughs> they were left with a third and two, finally took a shot down the field, incomplete. Now you have like a, what was it, 46-yard field goal? Something like that. It wasn't a gimme. Might have been a 42-yard field goal, and he got blocked. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has been defending himself all week. Here is how he defended himself on Thursday about how he handled the end of the first half against the Packers, which nearly cost them the game. When you're thinking about that, it's not times, it's downs. And so the plays would have been the same. On the second down before that, we tried to get an explosive, um, and then you check it down, and then it goes to third and two. And then now if we would have not saved any time, it would have been third and two in the same situation with about, I don't, I can't remember exactly, but I want to guess 40 seconds. And now everything's down to that third and two. Now if you don't get that third and two, now the other team has the ball back with 40 seconds and three timeouts. And now it's a totally different game. At that time, we're up seven to six. Worst case scenario, I feel we're going into halftime up seven six. I'd like it to be second worst case scenario, 10 to six. No one will make the field goal. We're starting with the ball in the third quarter so we can have a chance to lap them. Um, I still believe if we get the right look, uh, which we almost did. The mic was just a little bit too deep. Now we're inside the 10 and we have two shots at the end zone where we have a chance to go up 17, or sorry, 14 to 6, get the ball first in the third quarter and now you're up 21 to 6 and the game has completely been changed for that reason. Now we didn't get that, they didn't give us the big shot so now we came to a third and two. Well at least that whole half wasn't on the line on the third and two. We knew exactly what we had. We still went for it but we didn't get it, and now we can kick our field goal, and they're never going to touch the ball again. So those are the stats. It took me a while to believe it, just like all you guys, obviously. Um, but there's too much history with it. There's too much time, and I believe that really helps us have a good record. Oh, man. I want to throw up. That sounds like, and he can talk all he wants about, I just don't want to give the Packers the ball back. Like, okay, yes, of course, you don't want the Packers to have the ball back. You don't want to go into halftime trailing. Absolute worst-case scenario is, yes, you're up by one going into half. I agree with you, Kyle Shanahan. But you got to try harder to go up by eight points. You talk so much about how you love to score to close the first half and score to open the third quarter. Actually try to score. You were not trying to score. You were playing to not let the Packers get the ball back. If you're doing that, you might as well take knees and just kill the whole clock. My God, and that can't happen again. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today, Sterling. It can't because Dan Campbell is going to go for it on fourth down like seven times today. And if you don't get stops on fourth down today, guess what? The Lions might win this game because Kyle Shanahan is not going to steal possessions back himself. That cannot happen today. It cannot. Is there, hmm, is there a mindset of don't, like, don't react to what Dan Campbell does? Just because he goes for it on fourth downs, just play your game, it got you this far. Like, I could see, I, and I'm not saying do that, I, I could just see Kyle Shanahan sit back and say, you know what, like, I don't need to be Dan Campbell. He can go for it on every single fourth down of the game. Let him. I'll trust my defense to pull us through. But also, like, in my brain, and I'm watching the, the half play out against Green Bay, it's like, what are you doing? You can score 14 points or, or at least get you a closer gimme field goal. Just get you something. That was not a gimme. If if that was like a 30-yard field goal, okay. Like, okay, but in the rain, 40-plus-yard right. field goal with a kicker who hasn't been bad but you aren't particularly confident in and it Didn't got, end it the got season blocked. Well. Yeah, like... You have to at least make it easier on your kicker. And the third and two call, finally they threw the ball down the field. Right. They still had a timeout. You could have ran it, gotten five more yards, called a timeout, make it a slightly easier field goal. It just seemed like every decision that he made, I get what he's talking about, and he doesn't want to give the ball to the Packers with any time left. He succeeded in doing that. You went into halftime with the worst case, up by one. <laughs> but like... <laughs> You yeah. talk about you. T- he talked all week. He talked all season. He talked his like the last three years. I love it. doubling up. I'm gonna score to end the first half and score again to open the third. I'm gonna so double. Up. I'm gonna score it. 14 consecutive points without the opponent even touching the damn ball. Right. Then go score 14 points. And then he comes out of the third quarter and hands the ball off to Jawan freaking Jennings on the first play of the third. George Kittle saying, "Oh my, why, why is Jawan in the backfield?" <laughs> it's a great question, George. 
that being said, they they did win last week. Let's not forget that. That's why we're here. <sighs> but there are a lot of people that think Kyle Shanahan doesn't play to lose, whereas Dan Campbell plays to win. For better or worse. Right, which sometimes Dan Campbell's case against the Cowboys cost them the two seed, maybe the one seed, who knows, right? Go for two a handful of times, you don't get it at all, and you lose by one point against Dallas. For Kyle Shanahan, you've been very successful. Sometimes the hyper-aggressiveness, hyper-aggressiveness comes at the wrong time when you're up by 10, and all you have to do is milk the clock and say goodnight, and you pass the ball three times, things go haywire, and you lose. It does feel like that Kyle Shanahan can almost outsmart himself sometimes, where in Dan Campbell's case, it kind of pays to be a little dumb. And now... He ain't a dummy. He knows what he's doing. But sometimes it pays to be a little meathead, right? And sometimes you just use your brute force and you can win a lot of games. And there is a fear that, and I've said it a handful of times, that the Niners' biggest detriment might be their biggest strength. That's Kyle Shanahan. You have this offense, the Offensive Player of the Year, soon to be in Christian McCaffrey, an MVP finalist in Brock Purdy at quarterback, first-team All-Pro tight end in George Kittle, second-team All-Pro wide receiver in Brandon Ayuk, uh, an All-Pro, not this year, but in his past, Debo Samuel. You've got the best left tackle in the NFL in Trent Williams. You have no reason to not be aggressive and trust your offense. No reason. And what you're telling me when you pull that at the end of the first half, you're telling me you don't trust your quarterback and you don't trust your defense. See, but I don't think it's either one of those things. I don't think it is like I don't trust Brock Purdy. I don't think it is, oh, I can't trust my defense. So it's just him being stubborn? Yeah. Like, I genuinely think it's just Kyle being yeah. Kyle. Like, if you told me, hey, you have a number seven ranked offense per DVOA of all time. Of all time. <laughs> why would you not be the most aggressive coach in NFL history, or, or at least one of them? Like, th- like, there are coaches with bad teams that are like, we're going for it, folks. We're trying to double up here and get a win. And yeah, Kyle- there's coaches with Bryce Young as their quarterback going for it on fourth down. It's sometimes you get fired like Frank Reich, and sometimes you're like Dan Campbell. You win a lot of games, and you're in the exact same spot someone like Kyle Shanahan is. Yeah. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you can win this game by one point, and we can talk about it, and we will after the game. But it's like, come on. Like, Kyle, <laughs> it's not a trust thing. It's... Get out of your own way, man. Like, you have to understand, you have playmakers everywhere, and Kyle knows this, but you hear him talk about why he didn't go for it and why he wasn't hyper-aggressive. It's like he has the entire play-by-play rundown of what happened is like explaining, well, this is why I did this, this is why I did that. Kyle, we know why you didn't go for it. We know why you didn't do that, this, and the other. Because of you, not because of Brock, and because of Ayuk, and because of Kittle, and because Debo wasn't on the field. On the last drive of the game, which was the exact same situation, now I get it. You had like six minutes. You have more time. A little bit more time. And I get it. You have to score there so you can be a little more aggressive. (laughs) The crazy thing is, six minutes, you could have went a little quicker and maybe gotten yourself an extra possession. Right, which, like, that's pulling teeth at that point. But it's like, Kyle, you would not even have to be in that situation had you scored some points. And I think for every Niner fan, 
especially in the Kyle Shanahan era. Like This ain't Bill Walsh, right, where you know Montana's got this in the bag. It's a guaranteed fourth quarter comeback. It's We've been here over and over and over again seeing this team on the brink of going to the next step or being called a champion, a Super Bowl champion, and something mainly Kyle Shanahan gets in the way. For all the good he does, it's like, Kyle, you don't have to be up by 10. You can be up by 20, by 17. You don't have to be trailing by one. You can be up by six. You can put yourselves in better positions to end games, meaning the game's not going to be on the line with two minutes left, and then you lose a heartbreaker. Yeah, and I the reality in which, like the parallel universe where the Lions win this game, it's because the Lions steal possessions. Yeah. Because of Dan Campbell's aggressiveness, and the Niners don't put their foot on the gas, and they 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 do a little bit more of what they did at the end of the first half against Green Bay. Like that's that's a path to victory for the Lions. They they go like four for five on fourth downs today, and they turn them into touchdowns. The Niners they don't go for it on fourth. They kick a field goal on fourth and short. Like or you know you you're not aggressive enough at the end of a half. Like. That's a path to victory for the Lions. There's not a, a ton of path to victories for the Lions. We, no. we we spent so much time the first hour and a half of the show today talking about all the ways in which the Niners can win this game. One of the more obvious ways the Lions can win this game, their aggressiveness pays off, and Kyle Shanahan's lack of aggression comes back to bite the Niners. That is a real path for the Lions today, and it's going to be on display. And if it happens... Kyle Shanahan can defend himself all he wants in the postgame presser. He's going to get eviscerated if he does something like that again. Fair or not, he's going to get eviscerated for it. I hope it doesn't come to it. Right. Of course. <laughs> like That is where the Lions have a gigantic advantage. And we want to hear from you guys. Does Kyle Shanahan's lack of aggression in the postseason, does that worry you in this game at all? Especially considering who the opponent is, or are you so confident that the Niners are, are more talented and, and should be able to control this game, that it does not matter. Give us a call, 888-957-9570. Sterling, you talked about if Shanahan will maybe react to the Lions' aggress- aggressiveness and maybe change his plan a little bit. He was asked about that on Wednesday. Kyle, does Detroit's aggressiveness change your strategy at all? Here's the Niners' head coach. Um, not much. It's you. You're aware of it, so you understand it. You prepare for it. You know they might when it's third down. They might have two tries a lot more than other teams do, um, percentage-wise. You know they're willing to go for fake punts and all that stuff. I mean, those guys are trying to steal possessions as much as they can. Uh, I'll tell you after the game whether it's a good thing or bad thing for us. I mean, anytime you try to steal possessions, you're also offering an opportunity to lose possessions. So um, those are opportunities for them, but they're also big opportunities for us too. And if you come up with more than half of them, I feel it's in our favor. So Kyle Shanahan is going to use Dan Campbell's aggressiveness going forward on fourth downs as like his own ability to be aggressive. It's Kyle Shanahan <laughs> saying like, hey, just because Dan Campbell goes forward on fourth downs, I'm going to justify me being ultra conservative, which again, works a lot of the times. This team has won 13 games this year, was the number one seed in the entire NFC. Lions have won 14 games this you know, year. They played an extra game, mind you, <laughs> but they're still... Still to this day, the Super Bowl favorite. Like, no one is sitting back saying, oh, you know, Kyle's a bad coach, this, that, and the other. It's just that when you're this good, you do have to kind of nitpick areas that have come back to haunt you the past three or four seasons. And for Kyle Shanahan, a lot of his, whether it's 
not being aggressive or his conservative nature has come back to haunt San Francisco. And when you see this team, this roster, in a time where Chase Young probably going to be gone, Ayuk has to be extended, guys are getting older, they have to win now. Trent Williams, who said he's going to come back next year, he even said himself, I'm 0-2 in NFC Championships. we got to get this one. Like, you have yep. to win this game. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, not only do you have to be in your bag, you have to be like ultra like Gandalf wizard mode. Like Gandalf the White out there, my friend. And just shine the light on the entire field and just run right through this Lions defense. You have to be so far in your bag, you get lost in it. You have to win this game. You have to be, you have to show you are coach of the year. We know how smart you are, but you have to come up in the big moments and Shanahan hasn't done that. Okay, so the the aggressiveness, the decision-making on fourth downs, end of halves, pushing the ball down the field, all of that, throw that to the side for now. Just in terms of individual play calls, we talked a little bit, didn't really dive into it. The strength of the Lions' defense is stopping the run. Yeah. And the Lions' defense is very bad against the pass. <laughs> so do we see... A more aggressive Shanahan in just the sense of play calling. Like, do right. we see less of a balance between the run and the pass? And do we see the Niners push the ball down the field? You've got Brock Purdy coming off of, as everyone would agree, a bad game. Got it done when it mattered in the final drive, but a bad Brock Purdy game in the rain, uh, coming off of 20 days off where he did not play between the Week 17 game in DC uh, to the game last week, eight days ago now on Saturday. You're going to have like nearly 70 degrees and sunny skies, light wind in Santa Clara against a really bad pass defense. You've still got a great running back in Christian McCaffrey, and he's going to be involved even if it isn't in the run game. Uh, do you see Kyle Shanahan Sterling, maybe from the jump, be a little bit more aggressive in terms of those individual play calls? Maybe not from a larger perspective of going forward on fourth downs and taking those chances, but trusting his quarterback and throwing the ball a bit more than he he did last week. He threw it a lot last week, actually. Well, 39 to. pass attempts. Yeah. He had to, you're right. But maybe a little bit more than a normal game script would call for because of, of what this matchup is for the, the Lions defensively against this Niners offense. And it's a good point. Like You don't have to be aggressive in the Dan Campbell kind of way. You can be aggressive in pushing the ball downfield over and over and over again. Yeah, attack Kindle Vildor, right? <laughs> attack the Lord of the Rings character, right? <laughs> yeah, shout out to the uh, Comcast Business text line. Forget where it was. The 510. It's always 510. Kindle Vildor sounds like a character in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I agree, we're, 510. We're having second breakfast now is what we're doing. <laughs> the potatoes that we're doing. <laughs> but I also want to say this because while you can be hyper-aggressive and, and look... It's almost like you want Kyle to be so aggressive, but you can't forget the fact that Chris McCaffrey has to run the ball at least 18 times. Every time. Like, that's the magic number. Every time they win, 18 touches or more on the ground. I'm taking McCaffrey under rushing yards today. Under? Under rushing yards. Wow. But I think he's active in the passing game. I think we're talking like seven or eight catches for McCaffrey out of the backfield. And it's I think the Niners are going to treat some of that short passing into the flat screen over the middle to McCaffrey as kind of an extension of the run game, which which they which have which they do a lot. But I think you'll see the Niners a little less often than normal just run it up the gut because that is hmm. the strength of the Lions defense. Yeah. Um so 
if I if I'm talking about McCaffrey's rush yards, I think he goes under. But he's going to be involved, and maybe his total yards are, are near where Vegas has him set. Right. I don't know exactly where it would be. Um, but in terms of rushing yards, I think I think McCaffrey goes under. But it's because the Niners are taking advantage of the weakness of Detroit's defense elsewhere. Does it? Give you is kind of draw you back because talking about being aggressive with Kyle Shanahan and you know he needs to do this that and the other uh, pass heavy offense today and push the ball downfield. The Lions though in the playoffs have not been the Lions of the regular season when it comes against the run. 144 rushing yards given up in 29 carries, almost five yards a pop. So their biggest strength on defense really has not been the Bucks. The Bucks are not a good running team, and Rashad White was having a day yeah. like. Again, the Lions have a really good run defense, the best in the entire league in the regular season. But when you see that, when you see they've given up nearly five yards a carry, does it also kind of say, hey, you know, maybe Kyle doesn't need to be so aggressive through the air? Maybe he can ground and pound his way to a win, knowing Detroit's given up almost five yards a carry, and you have the best running back in the entire league on your side. I think the running for uh, Tampa Bay against Detroit last week was a little bit misleading because Detroit is one of the matchups for, or pardon me, Tampa is one of the matchups for Detroit specifically where Tampa loves to throw the ball. They hate to run it. Detroit loves when opponents run run it, (laughs) and they hate when opponents throw it. So I I think Detroit going into that game was like, all right, we're going to let you run a little bit just to encourage you to stop throwing. Okay. Right, like, and Mike Evans still got his. He had eight for one forty-seven and a touchdown. Like wide receiver one, still eat against this defense, even when that was the plan defensively for the Lions. But the Lions went into that game knowing that they wanted Tampa to run the ball because they were deathly afraid of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and company and all of those guys. You can't do that against the Niners because they are as good on the ground as they are through the air. Like They are truly a balanced offense, and I think the Lions have to play a little bit more straight up against this Niners offense. Otherwise, you you leave an empty box, you you stack sack the box, the Niners will be willing to throw. You drop some more back in coverage, the Niners will run on you. Like That's what the Niners can do. So I think the running was a little bit misleading last week. Uh, I think the Lions will get back to, to limiting the run game today, but we'll see. It, if the Niners can consistently run the ball, uh, I, I don't know how the Lions can win this game because that is the strength of this defense. If the Niners do that, uh, they're going to have a fantastic chance. All right, 11 o'clock here on 95.7 The Game. Sterling and I are with you for two more hours up until 1. And then the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lil Neal takes over all the way up until kickoff at 5.30. To answer your question on the uh, Comcast Business text line 510, uh, Sterling and I until 1, and then Larry and Lowe until 3.30. But yes, 95.7 The Game is is live and local until kickoff today ahead of the NFC Championship game. More coming up on the other side. Niners and Lions, it ticks closer right here on 95.7 The Game. You like that? You like that? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 